welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. We are super excited. It's a brand new year. And this is my co-host. Hi, everyone. It's me. It's Christelle. Hello, Christelle. Hi, Mish. Exciting times, Christelle. I got sent an article this week that I shared with the world. I know. Such an exciting article, right? Yeah. So basically, that was so weird that one of my friends messaged me and was like, oh, that she'd found this this uh, article online this podcasting article um and it was about the uk's top 15 all season podcasts and who was there at the top at number one <laughs> do you know what's funny when you sent it to me yeah yeah i saw the title and i was like oh i was thinking oh what number are we <laughs> i started from the bottom i started from the bottom I was like, very you know 14 13 oh number one number one seriously so good. This is different between me and Christelle. I'm very a glass half full. Christelle's very you, glass don't, half don't, empty. Don't believe her. How don't believe dare her. you start from the bottom? Like I was straight to the top, like there we were. I don't knew believe it. Her. I expected it. When we were going up <laughs> for that award, everybody knows me. She was like, there's no way we're gonna win. No way. No, no way. Oh, in heaven and earth. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's actually a it was a nice surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It's really nice as well, and especially because I know we haven't been consistent uh, just because of life, because we are two hardworking mothers. Women. M-U-V-V-A-S, mothers. That's how you spell it. I was proper thinking, M-U-V, what? (laughs) That's how you spell it. What? (laughs) But we are two hardworking mothers with busy lives, and I'm proud, proud of us, and I'm proud of all the guests that come on, and I'm really, really grateful for everyone that reaches out to us just like yes exciting just like. today yeah so she's ready and she's waiting in the waiting room i think we're going to start calling it the green room i think that's what we're going to oh that sounds very showbiz let's do it the green room well our next guest is very showbiz she is oh, all the yeah. way from new york city and she oh you don't join in Okay. All right, I was um, I was dancing. Oh, you were dancing. Okay, but no one can yeah. see that. So everyone just thinks it's me. I was shaking my shoulders. <laughs> you got going with the with the first line. Dun 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 dun. Starts rolling. Yes, that's enough of us doing our uh, theatrics. Yes, here she is, autistic vintage. Tell us all about her actress lifestyle and all about being an actress and an autistic woman. Let's welcome on Autistic Vintage. It's showbiz. And welcoming on to the Let's Talk Autism podcast, all the way from New York City. New we York. have got Jewel. Hello, Jewel. Hi, Jewel. Hi. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on and joining us. Um, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and when you said about the time zone, I was like, oh no, because I always get really panicked about time zones, because I'm like, oh, what what time zone am I? What are we in? Yeah, and then there's daylight savings here, so I think we're like an hour even further back than you than we normally would be. (laughs) Well, we've worked it out, and we're so pleased to have you on. Um, So we always kind of start out, you're a new guest on the show, so we're really, really excited to have you. And what caught my eye about your profile is that you're an actress. And I actually sort of the your post about that, the fact that, you know, with autistic 
actors and actresses playing a part of autistic roles because there was some mm. little bit of controversy, wasn't there? Did you want oh, to start yeah. off telling us a little bit about that and then we'll learn a little bit more about you too? There always is with acting and it's usually usually from able-bodied white uh, people who don't understand the importance of authentic representation by members from your own community. Uh, this one was a bit unique because we had some actually autistic people also saying like it should go to the best actor and to some extent yes but there's already an issue with the fact that autistic people are not being asked into the audition rooms so how how can you they're not being given a chance and I can almost guarantee you if you put a side-by-side -side comparison of an actually autistic person representing the autistic community versus a neurotypical person who maybe did the research, but probably from Autism Speaks, who knows where they did the research, you would notice a difference, I can almost guarantee you. Because I notice a lot of neurotypical actors tend to fall into almost this caricature version of autism where it's like Rain Man or God forbid, see his music. Um, and like to neurotypical people, this is gonna look probably authentic because this is what they've been told autism looks like. This is what they've seen autism represented as. And then that just perpetuates stigma and just a bunch of myths and misrepresentation about autism. But you have people saying, well, at least they're being represented. Like you're getting some exposure to autistic people. And I hate to say it, but it's almost worse to have in, it is actually worse in my opinion to have inaccurate representation than no representation. Yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right. There's a show over here that's quite popular, EastEnders, my favourite. And, oh, um, I've heard about it. I, I haven't have seen it, though. <laughs> but one of the main storylines a little while ago was, and Christelle and I are both um, uh, parents of autistic children, was mm -hmm. uh, Danny Dyer's son in it, Chris. Do you still watch it? Was diagnosed autistic, and he was about five. And it was every stereotype that you could throw in. He liked traits. He could look people in the eye. And do you know what I'm thinking? What is this sending? This message is sending. Mm. He didn't like change. And, you know, and it was just like, my son doesn't have all of those, you know, those traits. That he's all Yeah. I was just like, oh, this is so damaging. It's so damaging. And then that's why you get neurotypical people telling autistic people, but you don't seem autistic. I don't think you are autistic. Like this person looks like this. Why don't you look like this? You must be faking it. So yeah. it's it, it can be very, very harmful to have just the extreme stereotypes of autism being the only thing presented yes. to yeah. an audience. Yeah, most definitely. So tell us a little bit about your journey um, as an autistic woman. When, when, when was you diagnosed? What was your journey? So it's a bit complicated with me. Uh, it's not super straightforward. Um, so jumping way back to when I was a baby, we were on a soap opera, me and my twin, I'm an identical twin. Um, me and my twin were on a soap opera, One Life to Live, and it was a big storyline. We got killed off. It made US Weekly. There were all these magazine covers we were on. Um, and so we were getting into acting. Come like developmental period where you start talking and uh, other developmental signs of you know, typical 
and I say that with quotation marks, uh, presentation, we were behind. Um, so, which ruled out acting for us and brought my family to like look into experts, uh, early child development type things. So around three, we saw the leading expert of autism in New York state at the time. Um, he did whatever tests he did. And this is all obviously secondhand information. I don't remember any of this, but he told my parents, yeah, they're, they're autistic, but because they're female and they're high functioning, which is a gross term, but his words, we think it would be worse to stamp an autistic label on them. And instead we're just gonna say selective mutism because you'll get services, you'll get speech therapy, OT, whatever with that. And it'll be less stigmatizing. No one told me I was autistic. This was not handed to me. I grew up feeling fundamentally flawed. I didn't quite understand what was wrong with me. Yes. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, growing up, did you see a difference in yourself and others? Did you realize that, oh, I should be talking by now or I should be doing this by now, but I'm not? Is that something that played on your mind? Oh, 100%. The weird thing about selective mutism is like you want so desperately to speak but for whatever reason, you're in such a panic flight, fight, freeze mode that you just freeze. And I couldn't even, I learned sign language, but I couldn't even use sign. I couldn't shake my head yes or no. I would go statuesque. And I'd be like, what's wrong with me? Like, they're all talking this, that. I, I and possibly why I love acting. I learned to act at a young age. Like, so I, I mean, I didn't, I was very obviously different when I was younger. I didn't speak outside of the house until really 10. And it still was pretty bad until around 15 after being in theater for a while. But once I got into like middle school, when like the pressure to fit in is really intense, I would often think to myself, I don't like any of these things they're talking about. Like, why is everyone into this? Why is everyone into that? Why do people what's with small talk, all this, whatever. But I want to fit in so badly that I study people. I would sit there and watch how people interacted and I would copy it and I would stand in front of a mirror and I would practice facial responses like in my head, like to this would be the appropriate facial expression for this. Mm. That would be the appropriate facial expression for that. And I would pretend to like shows, music, things that other people like so far to where I would insist on wearing name brands because I felt like, if I wasn't wearing Hollister or whatever everyone else was wearing at the time, that was just going to point out my differences even more. I had to blend in as much as possible. So would that be seen as masking? Yes, 100% intense, intense masking. Yeah. And that's because um, you really, really wanted to fit in. Yeah. I mean, I would always have a boyfriend because everyone was dating. I wasn't into dating, but I would make sure I had a boyfriend because... That seemed to be what everyone was doing. Yeah. You, know? you were like, I don't like him much, but he's just there. Hated One Direction, bought a One Direction poster to hang on my wall because everyone loved One Direction, mm. you know? Um, so it was, it was time consuming, but I spent so much time worrying and working on mastering how to blend in. So how did your speech start to develop because I know you said you had experts involved and 
Um, so yeah. did you do things like speech therapy? And is there anything in particular for you that was like a breakthrough moment? So I did, I did speech therapy and I mean, I've also had issues pronouncing my R's and S's. So it helped with that. It didn't help me really talk outside of that therapy room. Um, I would still be unable to talk in the presence of other people outside of the house. Um, it was nothing really helped until theater. So my cousin who's around the same age started going to a year round theater camp and my mom thought, Hey, maybe this will be good for me and my twin. So she signed us up. We didn't talk for like the first year. I mean, they were nice and gave us a part, you know, we were on the stage, we did the musicals, we did whatever. Um, we didn't really participate. Um, for me, it was a very slow progression of being able to participate in this theater game one week. And then over time it developed and I could say my lines and I got lines and I got to do that on a stage. And for some reason, theater was a safe space. So theater was where I learned to talk in front of people. And it was the one place I could get myself to talk, even though the outside world, aside from theater, I, I couldn't. Um, as the years went on and I got more comfortable talking on a stage, it trickled into other environments and I was able to like talk at school and talk to the mall clerk. Um, but it was really, I have to credit it to theater. That's, that's really what turned it around for me. It gave me a safe place to express myself and that made me feel safe enough to express myself elsewhere. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. I'm so happy that you found that. Yeah. And, and did your sister as well? Was, did your sister find the same love in theatre, your twin? Yes, yes. Um, we both continued with theatre up until college. Um, and we both took theatre courses in college together. Uh, she actually, we took all the same courses our first semester and she picked theatre as an elective, so I took it as well. I picked sign language as an elective. She took it as well. Ironically, now I'm the theater major and she's a sign language major. Um, <laughs> but she acts, but I, I think she really does shows where she can sign. So she yeah. does shows. She's in Rochester, which is one of the biggest deaf communities in America. So they do productions where signing is involved and she's into that aspect. Wow. wow. And I stuck more with traditional theater and them trying to branch out into film and television. Mm. So it's amazing to just be speaking to you, Joel, because the way you are articulating yourself, unless you told us, we wouldn't know that you've had such a, a journey, especially with your speech. Yeah. Does that make sense, Mish? Like, yeah. You, you wouldn't know. So it's really, really nice to hear. Really inspirational. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I can't shut up now. I'm very, <laughs> no, I'm not an extrovert, but like I do ambivert. I'd say ambivert. I have a short social battery, but when I am in a social situation that I love and I'm excited about, you can't get me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but tell <laughs> us more about your theatre now, like your acting career now. Like, where are you at? And what do you do? What do you like doing? I mean, I kept theatre up throughout my teen years. And I actually had a Disney agent at one point. Um, unfortunately, social anxiety, I wasn't going to school. I ended up doing online school for the rest of high school. So Disney's very particular about their actors being good students. So I wasn't able to audition for anything and I ended up losing the agent. 
uh, due to social anxiety reasons affecting school. Um, college, I wasn't even going to pursue acting, to be honest. I, I was like, I'm never going to make it. I was really down on myself. And it was when I got my autism diagnosis finally at 20 that I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to be myself. I love theater. I'm going to go for it. And I changed my major to theater from psychology. Although now I'm a major in both. I am doing psychology and theater. Um, so I kept up doing productions in college. I've been casted more often than not, thank God. Although, I mean, it's a vicious industry and I'm sure I'll have my ups and downs if I pursue it professionally further. Uh, I've done community. I was in the Gilded Age. It's an, a show on HBO Max. I did some background work in that this summer. I did a good month of work with them, which was really fun. I'm in this transition period where I've had the training. I'm still getting training. I'm never like not learning new things and working on the craft. Uh, but unfortunately there are a lot of hurdles. Hollywood is very nepotism based field and you need to know people to advance. And since the pandemic, I actually have an uncle in Hollywood who is an acting coach and he has clients who won Tony awards and, uh, have been nominated for Emmys and stuff and are on primetime cable television. So he knows what he's talking about. Unfortunately, he's like, since the pandemic, which is when I started getting serious about acting, agents aren't taking new clients, yeah. like really at all. And so I'm hung up right now on getting an agent. And the way they do it now is you need a reel and that's supposed to be a compilation of professional film and television work, if that's what you're pursuing. The issue is, is in order to get in the good film and television things, you need an agent. But in order to get the agent, you need a real comprised <laughs> of... <laughs> so it's like a catch-22. You're just going around in a circle, aren't you? That's so that's Australian. currently, yeah, that's currently my conundrum. I, I, I'm pursuing avenues. I can't really discuss a certain thing that might or might not be happening, but mm -hmm. I advanced to a certain stage and something that is supposed to go on a streaming service. Uh, I don't know if I will ultimately be involved, but you know, I, I'm, I'm working on it. It's, you're keeping it's a your tough options industry. Open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing absolutely amazing. Can I ask you when you, so you were diagnosed autistic, at 20 then yes and, you know in your knowledge then because obviously when you was free it was kind of like no let's not do that um so what made you at the age of 20 go you know what like now nah, no I'm gonna get I'm gonna go for a, an autism diagnosis like what kind of changed in that's a good question um I mean I was on Instagram and I think no 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 I was on YouTube and there was I want to say it's, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's in the UK, actually, and he, he's autistic. And I stumbled upon one of his videos, and I was like, huh, I think it was about females with autism. He was interviewing a female, um, late diagnosed. And I was like, hmm, that sounds familiar. That is too relatable. And it sent me on a deep dive into other YouTube videos and other autistic content creators and too much, way too much made sense. So I kind of 
confronted my grandma, who's an expert in early child, I mean, not an expert, she works in early childhood, um, you know, with kids with special, not, I don't love that term, but disabled children. She works with disabled children in early childhood. And I was like, I watched this video and I want your opinion. Do you think I might be autistic? And she just looks at me like it's the most obvious thing in the world. She's like, you're definitely autistic. <laughs> and, and then goes to tell me like you're basically diagnosed at three. And I was a little bit mad for a while. I'm like, why did no one tell me? Because it saved right. me a lot of like, what's wrong with me type feelings. I understand. I mean, an expert told them like, it'll do more harm than good. So I'm not angry at them. But uh, so I was like, okay, well, great. Can I get an official diagnosis? And we set one up and it was a pretty fast process. I mean, went through the first meeting. She was like, yeah, you're autistic. And had the second meeting. I got my paperwork. I got accommodations at college, all that lovely stuff. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. So once you got your diagnosis, how did that help you moving forward? And I guess when you got that diagnosis, like you said, you was a bit like, oh, why didn't no one tell me before? But now that you had it was like you said as well, that things made so much sense when you was listening to the UK guy. Mm -hmm. So was it mm -hmm. just like everything just fell into place and then it was just like now you knew where you're going? Yeah. It, I never struggled in school. Um, mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons no one intervened sooner and we're like, maybe we should seek out autism since, I mean, any expert in autism probably would have been able to tell was I was above my peers academically. And so I don't think they saw the need to step in because there was nothing wrong with the work I was putting out and you had um, learned to mask as well oh yeah oh well yes by the time I got to middle school I, I doubt teachers would have noticed yeah. um yeah yeah um, I was ahead so much academically like I was I did start off in a special pre-k class and first grade class and then they had to move me into mainstream because I was just doing too well like I was ahead of the neurotypical people so I think that's why no one intervened. So I didn't really need much accommodation in college. Like it was nice to be offered double time on tests if I needed it in a quiet place to take the tests. And yeah. like, I'm allowed to have fidget toys, whatever. Um, helpful things, don't get me wrong. But that wasn't really like why I sought it out. I could have managed college without those things. Hmm. It was more that, it gave me such a reassurance of identity and a boost of confidence of like, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, it's okay to be me. And like in all quirkiness, weirdness, idiosyncrasies, what have you, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And yeah. it was kind of like, I'm just gonna live my life. Like I'm gonna pursue what I wanna pursue. I've been spending too much time trying to do what I thought other people wanted me to do. Right. When maybe that's just not how my brain works. And yes. that's okay. Yeah. I was going to um, say, do you have any advice for anyone that might be listening to this and thinking, you know, I don't, I can't get my voice out. I don't have a voice and I don't know how I'm going to get there. Do you have any 
advice for somebody who maybe is not at a stage where they can articulate themselves the way they want to? Yes. So first of all, please don't get down on yourself if you can't verbally communicate. That is not the only valid way of communication. It is not the only correct way. I was not personally offered alternative ways to express myself, um, but you have a right to remember that. Make sure if you cannot speak, make sure there, there are laws, like make sure you are being given a way to communicate because no matter what way you communicate, it's valid and it's important. Um, but as far as if your goal is to be able to verbally communicate more, um, find something you're so passionate about that like lights your soul on fire. Um, because if you can find that thing that makes you feel safe, that is going to help so much in giving you a voice. And mm. it will also give you a community in which hopefully you feel safe. And building that sense of safety and that sense of pride in something you love and building that confidence and like, I love this, I'm good at it, will hopefully help you feel like it's okay to say what you have to say yeah. and yeah, be, be able to verbalize, yeah. Yeah, that's great advice, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joel. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and hearing your journey. And I hope you come back and tell us more. Um, and don't forget us when you become yeah. Hollywood, yes. Hollywood movie star. You know, oh, you, yeah. you'll be in my Emmy speech. Don't worry. About that. <laughs> yeah, we won't maybe, be invited. We won't maybe be invited. hook us up. Maybe hook us up with your uncle. I mean, I'm, I can do a little bit of acting. I used to be in the drama team in school. You know, <laughs> she is very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, Joy, it's, yeah it's been absolutely brilliant I mean where can we find you where can people go and follow you um my Instagram account is called autistic vintage um that's really my my social media platform might get into TikTok if I do I will post so on the Instagram account yeah. I think I um, think you should really do TikTok especially with your active it really kind of gives people yeah it gives it yeah it gives it that kind of boost you know yeah 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 it's definitely I've been a bit nervous about it but you know what yeah you can do it yeah I'll just I'll just commit myself now I am going to make a TikTok you're gonna be (laughs) great you're not ready for me I'm gonna be (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you so much Joel it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, thank you for having me yeah okay. definitely definitely go and follow jewel she is gonna be the next biggest star and uh she's you heard it here first let's talk about and, this and, podcast yeah <laughs> she's, got, she's gonna invite us to all ceremonies yeah. <coughs> <coughs> oh thank you so much jewel and we'll speak to you again very soon sounds good thank you